0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain, and for more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Kristin Luoma, greenkri.com. The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. Section 2 MANHOOD CHAPTER One, THE LAUGHING VALLEY When Claus came the valley was empty save for the grass, the brook, the wild flowers, the bees, and the butterflies. If he would make his home here and live after the fashion of men, he must have a house. This puzzled him at first, but while he stood smiling in the sunshine, HE SUDDENLY FOUND BESIDE HIM OLD Nelko, THE SERVANT OF THE MASTER WOODSMAN. Nelko BORE AN AXE, STRONG AND BROAD, WITH A BLADE THAT GLEAMED LIKE BURNISHED SILVER. THIS HE PLACED IN THE YOUNG MAN'S HAND, THEN DISAPPEARED WITHOUT A WORD. Claus UNDERSTOOD, AND TURNING TO THE FOREST'S EDGE, HE SELECTED A NUMBER OF FALLEN TREE-TRUNKS, WHICH HE BEGAN TO CLEAR OF THEIR DEAD BRANCHES. HE WOULD NOT CUT INTO A LIVING TREE. His life among the nymphs who guarded the forest had taught him that a live tree is sacred, being a created thing endowed with feeling. But with the dead and fallen trees it was different. They had fulfilled their destiny as active members of the forest community, and now it was fitting that their remains should minister to the needs of man. The axe bit deep into the logs at every stroke— IT SEEMED TO HAVE A FORCE OF ITS OWN, AND CLAWS HAD BUT TO SWING AND GUIDE IT. WHEN SHADOWS BEGAN CREEPING OVER THE GREEN HILLS TO LIE IN THE VALLEY OVERNIGHT, THE YOUNG MAN HAD CHOPPED MANY LOGS INTO EQUAL LENGTHS AND PROPER SHAPES FOR BUILDING A HOUSE SUCH AS HE HAD SEEN THE POORER CLASSES OF MEN INHABIT. THEN, RESOLVING TO AWAIT ANOTHER DAY, BEFORE HE TRIED TO FIT THE LOGS TOGETHER, Claus ATE SOME OF THE SWEET ROOTS HE WELL KNEW how TO FIND drank deeply from the laughing brook, and lay down to sleep on the grass, first seeking a spot where no flowers grew, lest the weight of his body should crush them. And while he slumbered and breathed in the perfume of the wondrous valley, the spirit of happiness crept into his heart and drove out all terror and care and misgivings. Nevermore would the face of Claus be clouded with anxieties. Never more would the trials of life weigh him down as with a burden. The Laughing Valley had claimed him for its own. Would that we all might live in that delightful place. But then, maybe, it would become overcrowded. For ages it had awaited a tenant. Was it chance that led young Claus to make his home in this happy vale? Or may we guess that his thoughtful friends, the immortals, had directed his steps when he wandered away from Burzee to seek a home in the Great World? Certain it is that while the moon peered over the hilltop and flooded with its soft beams the body of the sleeping stranger, the Laughing Valley was filled with the queer, crooked shapes of the Friendly Nooks. These people spoke no words, but worked with skill and swiftness. THE LOG'S CLAWS HAD TRIMMED WITH HIS BRIGHT AXE WERE CARRIED TO A SPOT BESIDE THE BROOK, AND FITTED ONE UPON ANOTHER, AND DURING THE NIGHT A STRONG AND ROOMY DWELLING WAS BUILT. THE BIRDS CAME SWEEPING INTO THE VALLEY AT DAYBREAK, AND THEIR SONGS, SO SELDOM HEARD IN THE DEEP WOOD, AROUSED THE STRANGER. HE RUBBED THE WEB OF SLEEP FROM HIS EYELIDS AND LOOKED AROUND. THE HOUSE MET HIS GAZE. I must thank the Nooks for this," said he gratefully. Then he walked to his dwelling and entered at the doorway. A large room faced him, having a fireplace at the end and a table and bench in the middle. Beside the fireplace was a cupboard. Another doorway was beyond. Claus entered here also and saw a smaller room with a bed against the wall and a stool set near a small stand. On the bed were many layers of dried moss brought from the forest. "'Indeed it is a palace!' exclaimed the smiling claws. "'I must thank the good Nooks again for their knowledge of man's needs, "'as well as for their labours in my behalf.' "'He left his new home with a glad feeling that he was not quite alone in the world, "'although he had chosen to abandon his forest life.' Friendships are not easily broken, And the immortals are everywhere. Upon reaching the brook, He drank of the pure water, And then sat down on the bank To laugh at the mischievous gambols Of the ripples, As they pushed one another Against rocks, Or crowded desperately to see Which should first reach The turn beyond. And as they raced away, He listened to the song they sang. Rushing, pushing, on we go, Not a wave may gently flow, All are too excited, every drop delighted, Turns to spray in merry play As we tumble on our way. Next Claus searched for roots to eat, While the daffodils turned their little eyes Up to him laughingly, and lisped their dainty song. Blooming fairly, growing rarely, Never flowerets were so gay, Perfume breathing, joy bequeathing, As our colors we display. had made Claus laugh to hear the little things voice their happiness as they nodded gracefully on their stems. But another strain caught his ear, as the sunbeams fell gently across his face, and whispered, "'Here is gladness that our rays warm the valley through the days. Here is happiness to give—comfort unto all who live.' "'Yes,' cried Claus in answer. THERE IS HAPPINESS AND JOY IN ALL THINGS HERE. THE LAUGHING VALLEY IS A VALLEY OF PEACE AND GOOD WILL. HE PASSED THE DAY TALKING WITH THE ANTS AND beetles AND EXCHANGING JOKES WITH THE LIGHT-HEARTED BUTTERFLIES, AND AT NIGHT HE LAY ON HIS BED OF SOFT MOSS AND SLEPT SOUNDLY. THEN CAME THE FAIRIES, MERRY BUT NOISELESS bringing skillets, and pots, and dishes, and pans, and all the tools necessary to prepare food and to comfort a mortal. With these they filled cupboard and fireplace, finally placing a stout suit of wool clothing on the stool by the bedside. When Claus awoke he rubbed his eyes again and laughed, and spoke aloud his thanks to the fairies and the master woodsman who had sent them, With eager joy he examined all his new possessions, wondering what some might be used for. But in the days when he had clung to the girdle of the great Ack, and visited the cities of men, his eyes had been quick to note all the manners and customs of the race to which he belonged. So he guessed from the gifts brought by the fairies that the master had expected him hereafter to live in the fashion of his fellow-creatures. WHICH MEANS THAT I MUST PLOW THE EARTH AND PLANT CORN, HE REFLECTED, SO THAT WHEN WINTER COMES I SHALL HAVE GARNERED FOOD IN PLENTY. BUT AS HE STOOD IN THE GRASSY VALLEY, HE SAW THAT TO TURN UP THE EARTH IN furrows WOULD BE TO DESTROY HUNDREDS OF PRETTY HELPLESS FLOWERS, AS WELL AS THOUSANDS OF THE TENDER BLADES OF GRASS, AND THIS HE COULD NOT BEAR TO DO. Therefore he stretched out his arms and uttered a peculiar whistle he had learned in the forest, afterward crying, "'Rills of the field-flowers, come to me!' Instantly a dozen of the queer little rills were squatting upon the ground before him, and they nodded to him in cheerful greeting. Claus gazed upon them earnestly. "'Your brothers of the forest,' he said, "'I have known and loved many years.' I shall love you also when we have become friends. To me the laws of the rills, whether those of the forest or of the field, are sacred. I have never willfully destroyed one of the flowers you tend so carefully. But I must plant grain to use for food during the cold winter, and how am I to do this without killing the little creatures that sing to me so prettily of their fragrant blossoms?" The yellow rill, he who tends the buttercups, made answer. Fret not, friend Claus, the great Ack has spoken to us of you. There is better work for you in life than to labor for food, and though not being of the forest, Ack has no command over us. Nevertheless we are glad to favor one he loves. Live therefore to do the good work you are resolved to undertake. We the field rills will attend to your food supplies. After this speech the rills were no longer to be seen, and Claws drove from his mind the thought of tilling the earth. When next he wandered back to his dwelling a bowl of fresh milk stood upon the table. Bread was in the cupboard, and sweet honey filled a dish beside it. A pretty basket of rosy apples and new plucked grapes were also awaiting him. He called out, "'Thanks, my friends,' to the invisible rills, and straightway began to eat of the food. Thereafter, when hungry, he had but look into the cupboard to find goodly supplies brought by the kindly rills, and the nooks cut and stacked much wood for his fireplace, and the fairies brought him warm blankets and clothing. So began his life in the Laughing Valley, with the favor and friendship of the immortals to minister to his every want. End of chapter 1